Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, it's Marcus here from the Dope Black Dads podcast, a podcast for all parents or adults preparing for parenthood, where we discuss everything from co-parenting, masculinity, the black experience, all the way to our favorite Netflix shows. Our show is currently brought to you by Cancer Research UK for children and young people, the biggest charitable funder of research into children's and young people's cancers. This September, it's Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. In the UK, around 4,200 children and young people are diagnosed with cancer every year. However, through Cancer Research UK's dedicated research strategy, more than 8 in 10 of those diagnosed today will survive for at least 10 years with a good quality of life. For more information, please visit criuk.org slash children and young people. Do you love true crime? Do you love the 90s? Well, if you do, you'll love 90s Crime Time, the podcast. I'm your host, Simone, and on 90s Crime Time, I'll be reading about and discussing these chilling 90s crimes with you. And unlike the Columbine High School Massacre, the O.J. Simpson trial, and the Oklahoma City bombing, I'd like to talk about 90s crimes that you may or may not have heard about much in the national and worldwide media. Theft, kidnappings, murder are just some of the topics we'll talk about that happened in this crazy decade. So if the 90s and true crime is your thing, make sure you look out for new episodes of 90s Crime Time every Wednesday and Thursday on most podcast platforms. Check out the 90s Crime Time official Instagram page at 90s Crime Time and the official website at 90scrimetime.com. And I'll see you soon on the show. Police officers take an oath to serve and protect the citizens of the towns they patrol. However, who protects the families when these same police officers abuse them? The National Centre for Women and Policing in the United States. They noted in two studies that at least 40% of police officer families experience domestic violence. That's in contrast to only 10% of families in the general population. As a parent, we have a duty of care to protect our children from physical harm and provide them with adequate medical treatment. And if this doesn't happen, we have government departments who are supposed to step in and act on behalf of these same children. But what happens when this system breaks down? Who protects these children when no one will listen? This is Thomas's story.
Today, the funeral for a little boy on Long Island. His father, who's also an NYPD officer, charged with murder. His fiance also charged in the killing. Eyewitness News reporter Derek Waller, live in Melville. Derek and Melville. Ken, good morning. That funeral set for later this morning here at St. Elizabeth Church in Melville for that little boy who did not have to die. Prosecutors say uh, this little boy who had autism was left overnight as punishment inside a cold garage and he froze to death. The wake was last night for eight-year-old East Mauritius Elementary School student Thomas Valva. Prosecutors say he died at the hands of his own father and his father's fiance. Thomas Justin Valva was born in 2012 to parents Michael Valva and Justina Zupko Valva. He would be the middle child for the couple with older brother Anthony, who was two years older, and younger brother Andrew, who was two years younger. Michael and Justina both worked in the justice system with Michael working for the New York Police Department since 2005 and Justina as a correctional officer. Their relationship was not a happy one. Add on to both working stressful jobs as well as three young children, two, Anthony and Thomas, they were both diagnosed with high-functioning autism. Regardless, according to court documents, by December 2015, the pair had separated and became locked in a bitter divorce and custody battle. Justina would allege abuse during the marriage, that Valva would starve and beat them, that he would lock them in the garage for extended periods of time, that while the children were toilet trained, they were still forced to go to school wearing dirty diapers. She would also allege Valva, and later his partner Polina, would sexually abuse the boys. However, there is no evidence to support these allegations. Court papers would also show allegations against Justina stating she made the boys vomit by giving them brown medicine and she used excessive corporal punishment. That Justina was mentally unwell and she took advantage of the boys' impressionable young age and autism by having them repeat her alleged lies. The big difference being that Justina was representing herself in court and Valva had a team of lawyers on his side. By 2017, Valva was awarded full custody, and it would be two long years before Justina would see her sons again. Unfortunately, the next time she would see Thomas would be to identify his body in the hospital's morgue. Hey, it's Marcus here from the Dope Black Dads podcast, a podcast for all parents or adults preparing for parenthood, where we discuss everything from co-parenting, masculinity, the black experience, all the way to our favourite Netflix shows. Our show is currently brought to you by Cancer Research UK for children and young people, the biggest charitable funder of research into children's and young people's cancers. 
This September, it's Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. In the UK, around 4,200 children and young people are diagnosed with cancer every year. However, through Cancer Research UK's dedicated research strategy, more than 8 in 10 of those diagnosed today will survive for at least 10 years with a good quality of life. For more information, please visit criuk.org slash children and young people. It is unclear when Michael Valvar started his relationship with Angela Paulina. But according to Facebook posts, Paulina is a retired hospital administration worker and the two became engaged during a New York Yankees game in October 2016. By that stage, the pair and their blended family of six children had begun living in Paulina's home in Long Island. The first reports that something was wrong in the Valva Polina home was officially filed in February of 2018. Child Protection Case Note states that it was alleged that Anthony was forced to sleep in the garage for wetting his bed, and he had been going to school for a week with his clothing and backpack soaked in urine that Anthony's hands and feet were red with frostbite from sleeping in an unheated garage, that he had lost around 11 pounds or 5 kilograms during that school year. Because of this, Valva and Paulina were ordered to undertake a 12-month child supervision program called Positive Parenting Program. And as part of the order of protection that went with this, Valva and Paulina had to refrain from harmful behaviours towards the children. Unfortunately, the reports didn't subside after the period had expired. Around this same time, the family hired a nanny, Amanda Wildman, to help with the children. She would report that while the family gave this outside impression of being the perfect family, that behind closed doors, Valva and Polina constantly screamed at the boys who would never retaliate. They would sit there and listen. Amanda would report that the boys were punished for periods of up to three days with the boys spending time in the garage and given only one sandwich a day to eat. Amanda reported this alleged abuse to police in 2017, but she was encouraged not to lodge a formal complaint. The school would support Amanda's claims and lodge their own complaints of concern regarding Anthony and Thomas. In fact, Thomas's teachers at East Moriches Elementary School, they would contact the New York State Abuse Hotline about 20 times between 2018 and 2019. Again, they were concerned that the boys were showing up at school visibly dirty and smelling of urine. And they were so hungry that they would go through the garbage looking for scraps to eat. 
the boys would tell their teachers that they couldn't go to the nurse's office because Valva and Polina ordered them not to. And then on January 19th, 2019, Thomas would show at school with a black eye. When his father was contacted by CPS about this, he would claim it came from a playground incident. A welfare check did occur because of this, but for unknown reasons it wouldn't be until May 2019, four months later. No one was home during this welfare check and there was no follow-up ordered. Now the abuse seems to escalate after this point and the same hotline, the New York State Abuse Hotline, they would receive a further 17 calls in the months before Thomas's death. By 2020, Valva and Paulina would be living in a Long Island home in the upscale neighbourhood of Santa Mauritius in a large four-bedroom home. Valva had full custody of his three boys, 10-year-old Anthony, 8-year-old Thomas and 6-year-old Andrew. And Paulina had three girls of her own. 11-year-old twin girls and another six-year-old daughter. Now, this winter was a particularly cold one. And in January 2020, the outside temperatures would average 19 degrees Fahrenheit or minus 7 degrees Celsius. On the morning of Friday, January 17th, 2020, a call came through at 9.40am to the Suffolk County Police from a panicked father in Long Island. He said his name was Michael Valver, and his eight-year-old son had collapsed in the driveway while waiting for the school bus. Police and EMTs would arrive only minutes later, But by the time they arrived, Thomas was not in the driveway as his father had said on the phone, but instead in the family's attached garage. Valva was giving his son CPR. It would later be alleged that Valva did put Thomas in a warm bath in order to warm him up before the EMTs arrived. Thomas would be rushed to the Long Island Community Hospital where, on arrival, it would be recorded on his medical records that his temperature was 76 degrees Fahrenheit, or 24 degrees Celsius. And just for comparison, the average body temperature should be around 98 degrees Fahrenheit, or 36.5 degrees Celsius. So Thomas's body temperature was much below this when he arrived at the hospital. And sadly, he would be pronounced dead. When doctors gave their condolences and told Valva his son had passed away and asked him if he needed anything, Valva would allegedly respond, quote, I've been through more stressful things than this, unquote. 
It became evident to the hospital's medical team and police relatively quickly that the story Valva had given them wasn't really what happened. An autopsy would reveal that Thomas's cause of death was homicide, with hypothermia being a major factor. He arrived at the hospital without any underwear on and without a shirt on, his sweatpants being pulled down to his knees. Thomas's head and facial injuries were not consistent with falling in a driveway either. Instead, his facial abrasions looked more like road rash, as if he'd been dragged across the pavement. Police started looking into the background of the family and the home where Thomas died. The family had an extensive surveillance system. The cameras were set up with each child having their own camera to keep track of their actions in the home. There was a camera set up in the garage, which was labelled eerily as the kids' room. Now, Paulina did provide the username and password for the surveillance system that was inside and outside the Valva home. But by the time the investigators went to review the videos, the passwords had been changed and the videos, they were deleted. Unfortunately for Valva and Paulina, but fortunately for the investigation, the audio and some videos were managed to be pulled before the deletion occurred. This gave investigators some sort of timeline leading to Thomas's death. Video footage was found from two nights before Thomas's death, Wednesday, January 15th, 2020. It showed both Thomas and his older brother Anthony sleeping on the garage floor. It was bare concrete. There was no mattresses, no blankets or no pillows evident in the footage. It was also clear that the garage was unheated due to the shivering and physical distress of the two boys. The following evening, Thursday, January 16th, Paulina sent a video to Valva asking him if she should keep Thomas home from school the following day. In this video, Thomas obviously needed to use the bathroom and was being denied access. But then he was told if he wet himself, then he would be further punished. Valva would allegedly text back, quote, I have zero clothing for him. Fuck the piece of shit Thomas. He's not going anywhere. Unquote. They then both poked fun of his need to use the bathroom, but being unable to. On the morning of Thomas's death, audio exists of one of the Paulina girls asking their mother why Thomas couldn't walk. She answered, quote, Because he is hypothermic. When you're washed with cold water and it's freezing, you get hypothermia, unquote. Valva can then be heard stating that Thomas was repeatedly face-planting on the concrete and that, quote, he was doing it because he is cold. Boo fucking who, unquote. 
Polina then asks Valva what he is doing, which Valva replies, quote, I am fucking suffocating him. That's what I am doing. Unquote. Finally, the recording ends with Polina telling Valva to get his hands off of him because there are people watching them. Even for those who don't know this story, I think it's clear what happens next. But something that makes my stomach churn. Valva would start a GoFundMe after Thomas's death to cover funeral expenses. And many neighbours and friends and community members who heard the story of the little boy's passing, they donated to the fund, which had a goal of $10,000. Amazingly, by the time it was shut down and removed, the fund had reached a total of $14,000 in donations. NYPD officer Michael Valva charged in the death of his eight-year-old son, along with his fiancée Angela Polina, a former hospital worker, appeared in family court Monday. Thomas Valva died after being forced to sleep on bare concrete in an unheated garage as temperatures dipped to 19 degrees. His two brothers, Anthony and Andrew, have been placed in the care of their biological mother, Justina Zubko-Valva, amid allegations they were also abused and starved. The first breakfast was just heartbreaking because I saw uh, my kids eating breakfast so fast. Um, Anthony must have like two giant bowls of cereal. He kept asking, when is dinner? When is lunchtime? Um, just completely being afraid that this is the only meal he's going to get for the day. Friday, January 24th, 2020, one week after Thomas's death. Police would hold a press conference announcing that Michael Valva and Angela Polina were both arrested and charged with second degree murder and child endangerment, charges of which they have both pled not guilty for. They are both being held without bail as they are considered a flight risk. Valva's two remaining sons, Anthony and Andrew, They were removed from the family and placed in the custody of their biological mother, Justina, while Polina's three daughters were placed in state care. The judge also ruled that Valva's retirement plan, valued at around $30,000, it would be given to Justina to pay child support for raising Anthony and Andrew. It was after these arrests that stories began coming out confirming the allegations that these children were being abused. And from the information that has been released thus far, it seems the brunt of this abuse were focused onto the boys with autism, Anthony and Thomas. Multiple people have come forward reporting that something was going on, that this alleged abuse was reported to the relevant authorities years before Thomas's death. It was reported that Valva had severe anger problems and would punish Anthony and Thomas with food deprivation and exposure to extremely frigid temperatures. Because of this, because of so many reports that were given to police and to CPS with little action or consequence, Justina filed a $200 million lawsuit against the Suffolk County CPS, 
the East Mariches Union Free School District, where the boys attended, and the Suffolk County Attorney's Office for not acting on the reports alleging years and years of abuse against Thomas, as well as a Nassau County Supreme Court Justice Hope Schwartz Zimmerman for giving custody of the children to Valva. The outcome of this lawsuit is pending, delayed as so many are because of the COVID-19 restrictions. We will keep you updated once there is an outcome here. In March 2020, six bills were introduced in Suffolk County, named under the umbrella of the Child Protection Services Transformation Act. Part of this will be the formation of a specialised unit within CPS to handle cases involving children with autism or other developmental disabilities. It requires CPS workers to receive mandated specialised training twice a year. And CPS workers will not be permitted to carry more than 15 cases at any given time. Now, this act was originally to be called the Thomas Valva Act. However, Justina refused this offer. She did not want the agency who contributed to her son's death to use his name publicly. There is evidence, right, of long-term abuse in a household done by father and his girlfriend. Justina posted videos and recordings to social media, what she claimed was evidence of the abuse, begging for someone to listen. There's a lot of uh, facts behind that that we're not a, I'm not apprised of right now. So right now they're just maintaining their innocence 100%. CBS 2 News obtained school district reports from a nurse and psychologist detailing that Thomas and a brother came to school hungry and in urine-soaked clothing. Suffolk County Social Services confirms child neglect was reported in 2018 and says several safeguards were ordered to include court-ordered home supervision for a period of one year. This case has yet to go to trial again with delays in trial hearings due to COVID-19. This has been pushed back to a date that has not been determined. We truly don't know the complete true horrors that has happened leading up to Thomas's death. Valva and Paulina's defence team have argued the garage was always unlocked and it was attached to the home. The boys could leave and enter the main home at any time. They argued there was a large electric space heater that was constantly running to keep the area warm. But given the state Thomas was in when he died, and the large number of reports of child neglect and abuse that were received, I personally doubt this was the case. I don't often share personal thoughts in episodes. To myself and Oniko, the victim's story takes precedence, and the facts should be the foremost importance. However, we deal with heavy stories here on Stolen Lives, and they take their toll on us. This one in particular hit home hard for me. I have a 10-year-old son like Thomas's older brother, and he too is autistic. I understand the difficulties faced with parenting a child on the spectrum. It really isn't easy. 
Some days feel impossible and I've walked away and cried in the bathroom many times after the children go to sleep at night. But I'll also understand that with love and routine and therapy, children like my son and Anthony and Thomas, they can thrive and be loving and caring and amazing little people. My son has matured incredibly this year alone after many years of support from services. And this is why this story also frustrates me, mainly because Thomas's disability, which I hate calling autism that, but but Thomas's autism has become the reason for his death, and that's certainly not the case. His death is not his fault, and the abuse against him, him having autism, it doesn't excuse it for a second. It's the abuse from his father and the failure of the system that should be there to help him. That's who's at fault here and not the child. We can only hope that Thomas is resting in peace and his brothers can finally get the love and support they so desperately need and deserve. And that we and the authorities learn from this so yet another child doesn't have to have the same tragic end as Thomas Valva. If you have your own thoughts about the case we discussed today or any case we talk about on this podcast, please search Stolen Lives Podcast on Facebook. Like our page to make sure you don't miss an episode and join the discussion group to share your ideas and theories. You can also talk to us on Twitter. Search lives underscore stolen and on Instagram, Stolen Lives Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please share on your social media of choice and rate, review and subscribe on iTunes or your favourite podcast app. This episode has been researched, written, hosted and produced by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. Hey, it's Marcus here from the Dope Black Dads podcast, a podcast for all parents or adults preparing for parenthood, where we discuss everything from co-parenting, masculinity, the black experience, all the way to our favourite Netflix shows. Our show is currently brought to you by Cancer Research UK for children and young people, the biggest charitable funder of research into children's and young people's cancers. This September, it's Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. In the UK, around 4,200 children and young people are diagnosed with cancer every year. However, through Cancer Research UK's dedicated research strategy, more than 8 in 10 of those diagnosed today will survive for at least 10 years with a good quality of life. For more information, please visit criuk.org slash children and young people. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. 
Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.